I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Hi, so welcome to you all today, uh, wherever you're joining us from, and welcome to the final part of this series that we've entitled Lessons from Lockdown. Uh, if you're new to us today, then over the last few weeks, we've been looking at a letter that you just uh, saw a little extract from a few moments ago, written by a man who was actually in full-on lockdown. He was in prison with very little prospect of release. And yet this letter is full of joy. And we've been looking at that letter and saying, well, what can we learn from what he says that applies maybe into what we've experienced over the last few months, but also that will help us as we look ahead into the new season as lockdown starts to ease, although we're praying for you guys in Leicester at the moment particularly. Um, but if I was to ask you today, I wonder what lessons you've learned from lockdown in the whole area of money and possessions. Uh, I wonder what your answer would be, because that's, that's what we're going to concentrate on today. Um, because I think some of our answers will be very positive. I'm sure some of you, you've been learning how to uh, live well, actually, with less than normal. You know, I've realised I can actually go longer than I thought I could without buying a takeaway latte. In fact, I've realised that for the, the cost of a latte, I can buy 180 Yorkshire tea bags. I mean, you, you make your choice. I know which I'm going to choose. Um, but also, I know some of you, you've been increasing your savings as well. What, what great lessons to learn from lockdown that we can actually take with us into this new season. But actually, we know too that there have been things happening during lockdown in this whole, whole area of money and possessions that have been much more challenging. I wonder how many of you remember those kind of unsettling pictures from the early days of people fighting, literally fighting in the supermarket over who was going to get the last bag of Andrex Supersoft toilet paper. Now, unsettling, I think, but also what, what was actually going on there? Well, I think what, what seasons like this reveal is things that lie deep down within us that get exposed when pressures come. And all of us actually have a, a very significant need to know that we can be well provided for. And that when that gets threatened, what rises up for us is a sense of fear and anxiety, a very normal human response. And it may be that some of you in this season, you've been, you've been wondering, can, can God, do, do his promises still apply? The ones that we had before COVID, do they still apply now? What about into this new season we're stepping into? Uh, can we trust God to continue to provide for us now? 
Well, I've got good news for you today. Uh, The passage that we've been looking at and we're going to concentrate on today, right at the core of it, the heart message is God is interested in your material provision and he actually wants to provide for you in such a way where you feel peace in the midst of your current circumstances. Listen to this amazing promise that Paul uses right at the end of the passage. He says this very, very famous passage and it's like he underlines all that he's saying. He says this, And my God will liberally supply, fill unto full your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, I would imagine all of us, if we were looking ahead, we want to have our needs, not our greeds, our needs fully met. But I want you to notice that that promise has a little word at the beginning. It's the word and. And I, if you're allowed to feel sorry for verses in the Bible, I often feel sorry for this verse because it's one of the most misused and abused verses in the whole Bible. Because it's a promise, but it's not an unconditional promise. There are unconditional promises in the Bible, like God loves you. But this actually is an, it's a conditional promise, where there are things that we need to do to put ourselves in a position where God is released to do what only he can do. And it's not that we earn God's blessing, but we actually position ourselves for it. And what Paul's saying is there are actually two things that we can do to put ourselves in a place where we can receive God's abundant provision. And we're going to look at those two things for the next few moments. So here's the first one. What do we need to do? Well, Paul says, here's the first attitude, be content. Now, I wonder when you hear that wonderful word, contentment, wonder what images come up in your mind. For me, it's kind of, it's looking ahead. It's an idyllic time in the future. I'm sitting on a beach. The sun is shining. My children, if they were still around, they'd be playing nicely. I've got a nice drink that someone's brought to me. There's no problems. There's no COVID. There's no unemployment. Not Not a bad picture. I'm sure most of us would be content in a place like that. But actually what Paul's saying, what he's inviting us into, is much stronger than that. Let let me remind you of what he said. He said, I have learned by now to be content whatever's happening to me. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. You know, this is amazing. What Paul is saying here is there is a contentment that has nothing to do with circumstances. It's about a deep inner confidence that right now, God is providing for me everything that I need to be happy in this moment. It's actually a pic- the picture that we're giving is a picture of a man in prison with all his, his basics met, but, but nothing else, just his bare essentials met. And yet, actually, he's at peace and he's content with himself. Now, I believe that that's both great news for us today, but it's also a massive challenge. You know, it's great news because really what Paul is saying here is that it is possible for human beings like you and me to be content in any circumstance. And that means even right now, even if right now you know you're facing lack maybe even the the threat of unemployment, that what Paul's saying here, it is possible in those circumstances to be content. I think that's great news. But actually, it's also an incredible challenge for us. I wonder if you've, you've noticed, I'm sure you have, that the society in which we live does not encourage us to live in a contented way. 
You know, you think of all the adverts that, that kind of what's behind them is this message. If you want to be happy, you need to buy stuff. You need more. You're worth it. Don't wait until you can afford it. Buy it now if you really, really want to be happy. I don't know if, if like me, if you've ever experienced house envy or car envy. You know, here you are, you're perfectly happy with your house where you live and then you watch a, a TV programme and suddenly you feel a need to move somewhere bigger. Or like me, here I am driving my own Peugeot 3008 car Perfectly adequate, eight years old, gets me from A to B, and suddenly I see a brand new model go past, and it's got chrome bumpers, it's got shiny bits, it's got metallic paint, it's got leather chairs, it's got gadgets, and suddenly in me, it's like, right, I need to get one of those. I wonder, I wonder if you've ever experienced that kind of pull. Now, in, in essence, and I need you to hear this, there's nothing wrong with having new things or good things. I believe the Bible teaches, and Paul says this here, we can be content when we've got much. The problem comes when we, we give in to the desire to have things, to put it bluntly, that we can't afford. You know, as someone has once said, it's when our yearning exceeds our earnings. And I, I kind of want to call this out today, and I want to ask you to, to join with me in this, and saying this kind of drive of you've, have a, you've got to have it, and you've got to have it now, let's call it what it is. It's a lie. Because I think actually we all know the truth. We've had that experience of how the happiness of the shiny new thing, when it wears off and it's replaced by that kind of over, that terrible sense of debt and it's replaced by fear and anxiety, we want to say, why not live without it and be content? And that's, that's really what Paul is saying here. So the truth is, and so the question then is, how? What's the answer? How can you and I live content? And as Paul says, there's a secret. Well, this is the secret. Verse 13, Paul says this. He says, I can do all things through him, that's Jesus Christ, who strengthens me. Here it is. This is the secret of living contented. It's make Jesus your sufficiency at all times. You know, it's for those of us who are Christ followers, it's saying in whatever season we're in, Jesus is my sufficiency. That right now, living on the inside of me is the one who can supply my every need, who, from whom there is a constant supply by the Holy Spirit of peace and joy and wealth and wisdom. And, and in many ways, that makes us the richest people on planet Earth. And you know, right in the middle, the word Paul uses is he says, he gives me strength, he strengthens me. Now, I'd say if there's a, a lesson that God's been underlining for me during lockdown, this would be it, that Jesus is strong enough to help me cope in any and every season. You know, I don't know if you've, if you've felt like me, it's been a season where it feels like there's been relentless challenges, almost daily, sometimes new or sometimes the same thing. And I've, I've discovered in this season again or rediscovered that no matter how big the challenge is, no matter how tired I may feel, every time I turn to Jesus, I find that he is strong enough and he is able to help me cope in this season. And as he says, to provide my every need. That's where contentment comes from. And you know, I want to encourage you in this season as we come out of lockdown, but actually into the future seasons ahead. Why not make it a habit to say, I'm going to develop in my life patterns of turning to Jesus who is always present with me. 
And, and I say make it a habit because Paul actually says, I've learned this. In other words, this is not automatic. Be encouraged, it takes time. It took Paul time to learn this. It's certainly taking me time to learn it. But imagine if you could make a habit of connecting with this Jesus throughout your day. Uh, I read recently that um, the average person has a habit of touching their phone, guess how many times a day? 2,600 times a day, that's the average. And for the kind of, the person who, who touches it, extreme number, it's 5,400 times a day. Well, just imagine what, what difference would it make to your life if you actually, that number of times a day, if you connected in with Jesus. If you just took a moment to say, Jesus, thank you. Everything I have has come from you. All of my provision actually belongs to you and, and has been provided by you. If you, in that moment when you feel that pull to buy something you can't really afford, to ask Jesus for the strength to say no. Or for those of you who, who are actually in margin, to say, Jesus, help me to enjoy the good things that you've given me. You know, I, Paul's saying, this is the secret of contentment. Learn to draw from Jesus. But then Paul goes on, he says that there's a second, second way we can position ourselves to, to receive God's provision. It's not just be content, but second, it's be generous. Now, I just want to say, first of all, to, to those of you who are watching us today who would not count yourself Christians, as we talk today about uh, giving, about releasing our provision to other people, I want you to know this. God always wants something for you before he wants something from you. And that at the, the end of this message, the end of our time together, I'm going to give you opportunity to receive the greatest gift any human being can ever have. And that's to receive Jesus into our life, to receive forgiveness, to receive the riches that he wants to give us. And I hope you'll take that opportunity. And that's the thing, once, once we've come to meet Jesus, then God calls us to be generous with the things that we have. You see, Paul here, he was writing to a people who were amazingly generous. In fact, so much so that elsewhere, Paul boasts about them to another church. He, he writes this, he says, and he's talking here about the church at Philippi. He says, although they are very poor, they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. See, here we see Paul is excited. He's excited because he sees generosity in this particular group of people. Listen to this, he says, verse 10, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. What Paul's saying there, he's excited because he's, he's received a financial gift from the church at Philippi. Um, and I think all of us would we'd identify with that, wouldn't we? When someone blesses us, there is a, a sense of joy. Thank you for that gift. But actually, Paul's saying there's more to it than this. He says, verse 17, he says, not that I'm looking for handouts. That's not the main cause of his joy. But I do want you to experience the blessing that issues from generosity. What, what a great phrase. The blessing that issues from generosity. Now I believe what Paul is calling us to here is a complete change of mindset when it comes to our approach to provision and finances. Um, one or two of you may know that I, I was raised in God's own county of Yorkshire and I mean my experience of Yorkshire people is that they're actually incredibly generous 
but I know that we've got something of a, a reputation for being, how people say, careful with money. And, and some of that, I believe, may be because of the poems that have come out from, from that county, and some of which I, I learned as a young man. I'm going to just read one of them to you. Um, for those of you who don't speak Yorkshire, uh, there will be a translation that will come up for you on the screen. But here we go. This is it in Yorkshire. Hear all, see all, say out. Eat all, drink all, pay out. And if that ever does out for nout, all is do it for this end. In other words, it's basically keep everything to yourself, don't give things away. Now, here's the thing though. I don't believe selfishness is really primarily an issue just for Yorkshire people. I think it's a human condition. I think all of us were born with a tendency to want to guard things for ourselves, and we have to learn how to be generous with what God has given us. And that's why Paul is so excited, because as he looks at these, this Philippian church, he shares with them three blessings that come from giving, and it looks like they've learned this. And my prayer for all of us is that we'll learn this, that almost get to the point in our lives when, when it comes to giving away to other people, we don't say, oh, no. I have to do this. But we actually can go, wow, I get to do this. So what are the three blessings? Well, in some ways, the first one's fairly obvious. The first blessing that comes from generosity is somebody else gets blessed. The recipient gets blessed. Paul here, he's blessed. I think it's been incredibly heartwarming during lockdown to see how many millions of people have literally stepped up to live generous lives towards other people giving time, giving money to those in need. And I, I want to say a big thank you to, on behalf of the church leadership team here, to everyone in Kingsgate, those of you who've continued to give, often out of sacrifice in your own need, uh, continue to give into this church, local church family so that we're able to meet needs, both of the church, but also into our cities and beyond to other nations. Thank you. Thank you for your giving. Second blessing is it not only blesses the receiver, it also blesses us, it blesses the person who gives. Paul says this, verse 17, he says, Not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. Now, at one level, and Paul probably wouldn't have been aware of this at the time, we know through, through studies in neuroscience over the last few years, that there is actually a physical uh, response in our brain to when we give things generously to other people. Apparently, acts of generosity have been proven to activate the same part of our brain that's stimulated by food and sex. Okay, we're not going to talk about that much longer. Don't let it linger in your mind for too long. And that's probably not what Paul's referring to. But it is proving that we are actually hardwired for generosity. Now, actually, what Paul's referring to here is something even better than that. He's actually using the language of a banker or the language of a, an investment manager. Well, what he's saying in effect is that as the Philippians gave to him, they were giving into kingdom activity. He's saying that it's almost like they're investing in a heavenly bank account and that bank account has a tremendous return on it. And he's effectively saying that there are blessings that will come back to them both in this life and into the next life. I mean, literally, you, you, maybe you've heard people say before, we can't take money with us when we die, but we can send it on ahead of us. And that's what Paul's saying. He's excited 
because he said blessings are going to come back to you, Philippian church. But then there's a third blessing that Paul writes about here. He says not only does giving bless the recipient and the giver, but he says it blesses God. Verse 17, he says it's like this gift is like a sweet-smelling sacrifice roasting on the altar, filling the air with fragrance, pleasing God no end. Wow, isn't that amazing? When you and I are generous, it blesses God. You know, th- those of you who are parents, isn't it, isn't it wonderful? Those rare occasions when your children are small and you give them, let's say, a bag of sweets and their natural response is to go and share it with one of their siblings. Isn't it wonderful? You've given them something. It's not really, it doesn't belong to them, but their reaction is to go and share it. I, I know as a parent, I, I've been blessed when I've seen my children do that. Well, God's like that. When he sees his children sharing what he's given to them with others, particularly in need, there's a sense here that it blesses God. You know, if you want to please God, one of the ways to do it is to become a generous person. You know, and I actually believe deep down, all of us want to become more generous. We realise it's one of the best ways to live a, a life. Now, I don't have time to talk about it, so what does generosity look like in practice? What I want to do is just read to you an email or extracts from an email that I received from one of our families in the, in, in the Kingsgate Church who are sharing their experience during lockdown. And, and as, I, as I read it to you, why don't you think about what do you think they've learned in lockdown about God's generosity? They say this, Dear Simon, giving thanks to God's amazing provision during this season of crisis and famine. Early in 2020, I was called into a surprise meeting where it was fairly clear that I was going to rapidly lose my job. Effectively, I was paid to leave. I was actually really excited to leave because it had been a very difficult and stressful situation for over a year. That weekend, as we prayed, my wife felt God say to her a phrase, a job in a week. Remember that phrase? We decided to receive that idea and and people and our friends started to pray. A week later... I was offered some contract work with a previous employer for 12 weeks. This project went really well, but after five weeks was postponed indefinitely due to coronavirus. So we started to pray over a job in a week again. Exactly a week later, on the Friday, I was offered a bigger contract role with the same client for five weeks. Again, this went well, and I was able to successfully hand it over to the client. On the Friday of the first week of a break after that, we started to pray again for a job. Again, next Friday, someone rang and offered me, this time, a permanent role with the contract agreed a week later. Throughout this season, we've continued to give and we've actually also increased our giving. And also throughout this journey, our life group and others have prayed and it's been amazing to see prayers answered quickly. I wonder what you saw there. What what do you think they learned? Well, I wrote down four things. I think they learned, be content where you are right now. I think they learned, second, obey God. Put God first in your giving and see what he does. Third, pray. Did you see the answers they sought to pray? Now, I can't promise everything will work out for you just as it did for them, but take lead from them. Why don't you learn to pray? And fourth, I think they learned God is faithful. Do you know, I wonder if I was to get an email from you about what are you learning about God's desire to provide for you during this season. I wonder what you'd write down. And I'd really encourage you to take some time as we come to the end of this series, not just in this whole area of finances, but 
right across this whole series to say, what, is, what have I been learning from lockdown and what can I take into this next season? And what a fantastic promise to have over our lives. Let me remind you, Paul says, and, okay, we've talked about the conditions, contentment, generosity, when we're living like that, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. What a great promise to have over our lives. Well, as we come to the end of this series on lockdown, I want to finish by leading us in a short prayer, which I'd invite you to to join me in. And in that prayer, we're going to look back over the the, the main headlines of the last few weeks. We're going to ask Jesus for strength, as we, we discovered a few moments ago, strength to be able to walk in the good things that we've been learning the last few few months that we can take into these next few weeks and months, however long it's going to be. And I'd encourage you, as I pray this prayer, why don't you join me wherever you are, maybe echo it in your heart, or maybe pray it out loud with me wherever you are. So let's pray this. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are always with me. Today, I affirm my desire to walk with you, and I ask you to grant me power, power to walk in peaceful proactivity, to develop healthy relationships, to establish and live by right priorities, to overflow with peace, and to grow in contentment and generosity. In your name I pray. Amen. Now if you, if you prayed, if that was the first time you ever prayed a prayer to Jesus, I'm, I'm thrilled for you. And we want to help you take steps to, to get to know this Jesus and to develop a relationship with him. And there'll be a, a link that will come up on the screen. Uh, why not follow that link? We'd love to get some resources to you and help you take some next steps. Well, I want to thank you for allowing me into your home space for a few minutes. And, and I, I pray this series has been a great blessing to you. Um, we're now, in the next part of our service, we're going to respond to God by singing a song together.